You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room, we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 134, we're discussing Avengers 4 Fan Theories. I'm one of your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And for the last week, hopefully, no Sanjay. <laughs> he is on a prolonged vacation from the Nerd Room, but we're going to get him back at the table next week to discuss hopefully some big news, because it's been another really slow week in Nerd. We have gotten almost nothing up until literally 10 minutes ago so i'm going to tease a little bit of episode 135 because we got a comment from brie larson so kyle of a tumbling saber sent this to us she just tweeted out just before we started recording hey ew i'm bored want to break the internet tomorrow and EW responded, yes, meet us here at noon ET. We've got something marvelous in mind. So for those of you not aware, Brie Larson is Captain Marvel, the next big film to hit prior to Avengers 4 dropping. And it looks like we're going to get our first look at Captain Marvel in full form, in full costume. So pretty exciting. Already, I'm anticipating episode 135. Oh man, it's going down. I can't wait. Miss Marvel, it's 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 gonna be her year, man. I, I got really high hopes for this film. I just can't wait to see what they're gonna do. I hope we're gonna get some good cover going on here too. I've never really been impressed with the EW covers, but yeah. um man, Miss Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel, what can I say? Ah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be unbelievable. And this very conveniently dovetails into our main topic for this episode that we will get to a little later on but it's going to be avengers for fan theories the russo brothers have started to kind of crop back up on social media doing the rounds with some interviews and dropping hints that they're moving into some reshoots for avengers 4 and that got us thinking i think it's probably time to talk about some of the big small and even biggest rumors out there with regards to what this film could be, everything from time travel to the presence of the Skrulls. So we're going to break down some of those fan theories, and they are fan theories. They're not our theories. We're just commentating on some of the things that we've seen around the internet. They've been a bit more difficult to find their origin, so we just want to make sure that, and we'll do it again before we start talking to them, we want everyone to know they're not our theories. They're out there. They're on the internet. We're just providing a little commentary around them and seeing what we feel is realistic or not. But we're going to get into that a little later on in the episode because the first thing we always do here in the Nerd Room, we like to chat about our week in Nerd. Troy, my dude. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. How's your week in Nerd been? Oh, man, chill. Super chill. Um, nothing major, man. I, I picked up, uh, I, I was going Sunjay's route. You know, <laughs> I was walking that line of, of uh, Blu-rays. I picked up Watchmen. Nice. I can't believe I've never had this film the whole time. I love this film. It's probably one of my favorite Scott Zack Snyder films next to uh, <laughs> Man of Steel. I always get those creators mixed up. But um, yeah, I love this film. It's absolutely fantastic. Blew my mind when I saw this in theaters. So it's a must pick up on Blu-ray. But then shout out to one of our listeners out there, Sir Grabs. He, he mentioned that there's the extended cut, which has like the animated uh, film, I guess you could, you could say. So I need to go out there and find that now, too, because I just got the director's cut. 
I also picked up uh, Drive on Blu-ray. Drive is one of my favorites. I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan, and I love his films. And I thought Drive, another one I saw in theaters, was so cool. I had no idea what I was walking into, and I was blown away by that film. I had it on DVD already, but now I finally got my chance to get it on Blu-ray. So really, really small on collecting for me. I'm still waiting for my comics to come in the mail from um, mycomicshop.com. Um, so I got like a big load coming from them just waiting for that. And, um, you know, I caught up on Kanan. I thought I finished the whole Kanan trade. Yeah. Star Wars last Padawan, but I, I realized it's, it's actually like a two, um, two issue trade. So I got the whole other book that I was reading and, uh, man, it's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good series. So you picked it up or had a chance? Yeah, I've I've read it. I quite like it as well. Yeah. It was, uh, once I got into rebels, I went back and started revisiting some of the stuff from Kanan and all that. And yeah. yeah, they extended that, I believe, too. I think it was always supposed to be one of the short was. runs. And then they extended it out because it did get some really positive feedback. Yeah. And so I really like stuff like that because that was an era of Kanan that hadn't really been explored in too much detail. And right. it was nice to see kind of that that story. And told in, yeah, I think, what is it, uh, 10 or 12 issues, something like that? 12 issues, yeah. 12 issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was cool. And we you see Skull, Skull, uh, Skull Squadron show yep. up with uh, Finn Rao. Yeah. Which was really cool because they had that history, you know, going later into Rebels. So I thought that was really cool they threw that in there. Um, all around, yeah, it's a good book, man. I, I'm a big sucker for that era of Star Wars, too, especially where we get, like, lots of Jedis. You yeah, know? you're a prequel and, uh, dude for sure. Eh? Prequel dude for sure, man. It's it's cool. So definitely go go out there and check out that book, Kane and the Last Panawag. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. Well, I had a pretty successful week. Well, I guess end of my week up here in Canada, and I believe in the States as well, it was Labor Day. So I did have Monday off, and that afforded me the opportunity to go out on the hunt a little bit. So we did Toys R Us, which is pretty dry. Actually, I have to to issue somewhat of a retraction here. We went on, or I went on, I should say, a little bit of a rant a couple episodes ago talking about the Black Series and the overpriced Mim Bam Stormtrooper. I revisited that same Toys R Us expecting to see it stacked fairly deep still, but to much of my surprise, they were all gone. So that $38, $39 price tag didn't deter the collectors the same way I thought it would. So I was pretty shocked at that, actually, to see that there was the stack of Phasmas, but the Mimbam Stormtrooper, see you later. So there's some armor arming building going on, or what do you think? I don't know. It's People crazy. must have just seen it as a better exclusive than the Phasma or, or that Stormtrooper that we've been talking about that's still all flush on the shelves. So yeah. I don't know. Like It's a great figure, and I wish, and I'm a big trooper collector, but... Yeah. Like I said a few episodes ago, it's a bit out of my price range. And it's unfortunate that now they're all gone, which makes me feel like maybe I should have gotten it. But I'm sticking to my guns here. (laughs) I'm focusing in on, right now at least, the Legends, the Marvel 10th Anniversary Legends. At that uh, same mall, there's an EB game. And I walked in and got my hands on a beautiful Marvel Legends 10th Anniversary single-pack Ronin from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I walked in and my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I got this before Troy got here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I know he didn't want Ronin, but coming from a movie that I am quite fond of, Guardians oh, of the yeah. Galaxy Volume 1, I absolutely love this movie. It, uh, I was so happy to get my hands on this. I love these single packs as well because they're still yeah. reasonably priced, especially at EB Games with the Edge yeah. card. You know, they're three, four bucks, so they're about a normal Legends price, which is great. 
Yeah. And the, the art on the box is fantastic. The sculpt is unreal. Like, it is so good. I'm excited to have kind of the Captain America stuff now, as well yep. as the one figure coming out from Guardians of the Galaxy. So this this Legends set, I'm not going to say I'm all in, but I'm pretty dang close. I'm waiting for a few of these to drop, especially the big three packs. But yeah. I'm really looking hard at them and saying, okay, if I can get them below 50 bucks for the three packs, they're going to end up in my collection. That's a good find, especially be you know coming off of the heels of... Um captain marvel coming out because yes. we do know that road and return so that's going to be a big find and I, i'm sure they're going to do a lot more justice in that film oh yeah than I ever agree. before so um man that's that's an all-around good pickup he looks great from what i've seen here yeah it's it, awesome. it's, it's oh, incredible loving these legends and sticking with the, the marvel cinematic universe a bit here oddly enough i got a magazine in the mail so we're like most people in north america members of costco and we got this book called the costco connect which i didn't know we subscribed to but i'm guessing it's more of a uh, a monthly or bi-monthly magazine that you get that promotes costco but the cover was an infinity war it's actually from that original poster that was released at san diego comic-con 2017 i believe And so I was like, okay, this is a bit strange. Let's see what's inside. So it's actually a bit of a spotlight on one Kevin Feige, producer and Marvel Studios president. And it's fairly short, but it's actually quite a good read. I threw up one part of the article on Twitter earlier today, and it actually just details a bit of Feige. Now, the answers are a bit generic, but the thing I found most intriguing, which I didn't know, is that Kevin Feige was given that position as Marvel Studio head at 33. 33? That's how old he was when he took over. I guess it would have been 2006 or so. So so he was already dipping in, you know, the Wolverine, well, not Wolverine, but the X-Men stuff. Yeah, he was a Spider-Man, producer Sam Raimi. He's a producer for all those guys. And then at 33, he was doing like the Marvel He got promoted to Marvel Studios, Studios head. So basically he got given... $500 million and a mandate to make a bunch of Marvel films and really produce Iron Man, which was the first Marvel standalone self-funded, self-directed film. So this guy was handed the keys to the kingdom at 33. So 10 years later, I guess he's 45 now. So yeah. it's 12 years because I think he came on 2006. But he is now sitting at the top of Hollywood. Like, how crazy is that? I think that I look, I'm looking nuts. at myself and I'm like, holy shit, I got a lot of work to do in the next 10 years. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I guess, you know, it was still before the Disney buyout. So yeah. it would have been over with, uh, was it Paramount? No. So they had a distribution deal with Paramount. So right. because, or Paramount, because Paramount, they yeah. didn't have their own way to facilitate putting films in the theater. So Paramount took that on, took that burden, and they paid for the film. They yeah. hired all their own actors and directors. They, you know, guided the script. And for the first time, you know, they had Fox, which had their hands in things, Sony, which had their hands in things. And they're yeah. on the periphery of all that. I think he was involved with a right. lot of that from the Marvel angle. Like, But it was more of a silent partner, silent producer type role. Right. Where he's helping maybe steer things, but no real control. Right. And the the control came when he was promoted to that position at 33. That's insane. That is crazy. That's like joining the NBA at like 17. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> nuts. That's awesome, man. Good for him. He's he's something else though, man. I mean, he's your your golden boy. You wish every studio had someone like Kevin Feige. We, we all say it, right? We always wish, you know, the DCU had a Kevin Feige. That Sony had a Kevin Feige. Yeah. Like, that monster universe that's going on with Universal, they they needed a Kevin Feige. He's 
the pinnacle. He's the best. Now he's visionary is a word oh. that I think that you could easily apply to him. And like yeah. you said, you like even Star Wars. Yeah, we have Kathleen Kennedy in that. But oh, yeah. There's the where's the Kevin Feige? Oh, yeah. And it might be that he's one of a kind. He is, you know, he, he brought something new to Hollywood, new to filmmaking after filmmaking had been a thing for, you know, hundreds of years. For so sure. for him to revolutionize filmmaking in a span of 10 years, starting really at 33, yes, there is a lot more cogs in this machine. And he gives credit to those people, the other producers, executive producers, directors, writers, everything. He doesn't take that full credit, but yep. he's still the man at the helm. He would have been the one that would have paid the price had Iron Man, had Avengers, had Infinity War failed. Yep. He would have been the one on the chopping block. So, you know, yes, there is a ton of people and we sit through those credits every single time and those names come and come and come for the better part of 10 minutes. So there's a lot of effort that goes into these, but having a guy like Feige at the helm has made all the difference in this universe. And that's why we spend so much time talking about it because it's so damn good. It really is. And, you know, and I guess, I mean, I, I don't know Kevin Feige, but from what I've seen and read, he's he's one of us. Yes. You know, like he, he loves the Marvel Universe. And I feel like that's what everybody needs, like is someone to like love the film they're working on, know the property that they're working on. They respect it and enjoy it. And he's definitely somebody that does so. And you can see it throughout these 10 years of uh, the MCU. Yeah. And even his office, they have a picture of his office in this magazine. It's just full of Marvel MCU memorabilia. Like and yeah. there's even an R2-D2 on his desk as well. It's it's pretty incredible. He's got a new it's Watch awesome. You the Watcher as well, which is, oh. I think, very fitting for Feige. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so other than that, it's it's been a relatively quiet week. I've been spending lots of time kind of listening to my record player, kind of making a list of what I want next. I'm excited to get some scores, some Star Wars stuff in there. But yeah, hopefully in the next few weeks, we get you know a little bit rolling here on kind of the, the collecting and all that. But at this pace, I'm kind of happy though. Um, I'm not sure I want any more. I'm I'm ready for maybe another big wave of the Black Series at a normal price. But finding these legends periodically, I'm game, man. I'm happy about it. You're in that legend route right now, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome, man. It's a good time to be a legends guy yeah, right now, for it, sure. It definitely is. And, yeah. you know, we talk about all the time our focus constantly shifting back and forth from Star Wars to Marvel. And I have a feeling, at least for me personally, there's going to be a bit of a shift back to Star Wars because in the next few weeks, Solo is going to be hitting the table here in the nerd room as Sanjay delivers our steel books. Yes. So this will be dropping on DVD, Blu-ray and ultra HD 4k, whatever it's called Blu-ray on September 25th and digitally on September 14th. So we've just got about 20 or so days before we're watching solo again and just doing a little Googling there. I was able to find some of the bonus features that we're going to see on solo. Now we're all hoping for a bit of peek behind that curtain given all the issues that this film had with Lord Miller and all that, mm-hmm. we ain't going to get any of that ever. No. <laughs> They're going to no. keep a lid so tight on that that not anyone besides maybe Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> and Ron Howard are going to be the ones that are fully aware of what happened. But it does look like they're going to kind of take you through some of the processed after Ron Howard jumped on board. So some of the the key things that they're going to be including here on the Blu-ray and digital releases are Solo, the director, and the cast roundtable. So I've been really liking these roundtables. We saw one on the Avengers Infinity War disc and something here where we just kind of sit down 
with the cast, with the director, and talk a little bit about the film's process, the making of the film itself. Now, I'm not sure if we're going to get a little bit of insight as toward the changes or if they've cut this in a certain way, but I do like hearing the perspective of the director, Ron Howard in particular, and the cast. I really like, like I said, what I saw on Infinity War, and I hope we get something similar to that. Yeah, no, it's it'll be interesting. I did like, I didn't mind the Last Jedi content. I yeah, thought that was actually it was really right. good. It, it was pretty good, and I actually felt like without them really giving us the full, you know, inside scoop of what was going on, you could feel the realism, like like through Mark Hamill and and whatnot. You could you could see it. They didn't really like sugarcoat it. No, to, to a certain to a certain degree, right? I'm sure with this film, there'll be a lot much more of that, you know, going on, obviously, even though it was pretty much in your face, so-and-so is fired and this was going on. But obviously, they have a, a movie to promote. They don't want to give us that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely excited, though, to see uh, the director content. I'm always, always interested in these kind of things, with these films, especially a film like this one. Yeah, of course. Like, even going back, you were just reminding me, the director in The Jedi right? The, the, was on The Last Jedi blu-ray or whatever the exactly. bonus content there it was awesome yep. that was yep. i really enjoyed that and like you said they allowed hamill to speak his mind on that exactly so they yep. provided that insight that some of us were looking for and it was it was really good that deserves almost a release on its own for that's sure. how good it is it's like an hour and a half long too it's it's, it's fantastic huge. and yeah some of the other things we're gonna get here we got team chewy so we're gonna see what it's like to bring to life everyone's favorite wookie so some behind the scenes there there's kasdan on kasdan so lawrence kasdan the writer of or at least contributor to the force awakens empire strikes back as well as um solo here along with his son jonathan so they're going to share a bit what it's like to write this movie script which is pretty cool remaking the falcon so going back and giving a a refresher to an, a facelift if you will to the millennium falcon so we're going to see some of the behind the scenes there uh there's going to be some again focusing in on some of the big scenes the big chase scenes that we do see in this the escape from corellia and train heist featurettes there's going to be a focused portion on l3 so there's a lot of really great content here and looking behind the scenes. And especially since we, uh, or we, since the production on this was relatively chaotic, I'm surprised that we're getting a lot of this. So it seems that, you know, even though the, the schedule was heavily shortened, there still seems to be a lot of effort that's gone into capturing the behind the scenes. It wasn't just Ron Howard kind of running a just, a factory type of, of filmmaking here it seems that there's going to be a lot of commentary on how they kind of composed this film yeah i'm, I'm really interested actually you know going into the deleted scenes i yes. think that's gonna be the bread and butter right there to see what they cut out if we as an audience can kind of pinpoint was that lord and miller or is that um ron howard like what's going on i think that's going to be really really cool to see um the l337 stuff's kind of neat the Falcon. I think yes. the Falcon is is pretty cool. I really want to see like what mindset they were to like dissect and pick and choose what they want to keep from the original and how they want to change it. I just want to see that whole layout. And Chewie, I really like the new actor that's gone to, to take over and play Chewie. Uh, I, I saw him in an interview a while back on Jedi Council, and he's a, he's a really likable guy. He used to play basketball, I believe. Yeah, this dude himself. So I can't wait to see more of that stuff. All yeah, around. yeah, yeah it's going to be really exciting. And you spoke of the deleted scenes here. We do have a mm -hmm. list of what we're going to see. My guess is, is that it's all going to be Ron Howard deleted scenes. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to give us any of the Lord Miller stuff. And <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, going through on like our second, third home 
viewing experiences, I'm wondering if we're going to start to pick out what was left over, if anything. I don't even really know at this point or at this stage what's left over because you look at the deleted scenes here. It's Proxima's Den, the Karelian Foot Chase, or Karelian Foot Chase, I, sh I should say, Han Solo, Imperial Cadets, the Battle of Mimban, Han vs. Chewie, Meet Dryden, the Quaxium Double Cross. So it seems like a lot of scenes that have been extended. Well, Pro Proxima was the weird thing we saw at the beginning of the yeah, film, Yeah, the right? weird worm thing, yeah. Yeah, because I believe, rumor has it, um, that was meant to be at the end of the film when it was uh, Lord and Miller. Supposedly that whole thing really? in, a certain, in a certain way was meant to be at the end of the film. That, that scene, the way it played out, was meant to be at the end, which is really weird. That really is, weird. I, I thought it was kind of a weird scene as it was. It was probably you know? my least favorite scene in the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Having it at the end? really weird but I, I did hear that somewhere about that uh the proxima stuff was meant to be at the end so yeah i don't know we'll we'll see though it's, it's gonna be really cool to see these deleted scenes i think we're gonna have better deleted scenes here probably than uh, the last jedi although the last jedi had two cool scenes like yeah. the, like the third lesson i like that one a lot and i i'm kind of shaky about the finn and phasma one yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I agree. This seems more like just scene extensions and less about exactly. scenes they actually pull out of the film. It seems yeah. they, well, they had to with Ron Howard coming on so late <laughs> and reshooting like 80% of the film. They had to keep everything they shot. So it seems yeah. like they trim things down, but there's nothing, at least from what I'm gathering here, there's nothing that has been taken out. I don't know what snowball fight is. Um, so I don't know yeah. if that's more of a playful scene with the crew before the the big train heist, that's the only right, time that they're yeah, yeah that they're in the kind of snow and I I don't know what that is so that might be yeah. the only scene that's the only one I really don't recognize in here so I'm right. wondering if uh, yeah we're not getting much other than scene trimming as far right. as deleted scenes yeah. uh, I don't know if I'd call it that I'd call it maybe shortened scenes yeah that, <laughs> that's a whole other movie yeah <laughs> yeah we're not yeah we're not getting the Lord Miller cut here. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing on here that's pretty cool is they have this thing called the Millennium Falcon from Page to Park. So this is an exclusive look at the history of the most famous ship in the galaxy and its origins and development, how it was translated into one of the most anticipated expansions in Disneyland's history. So this is going to be our first look at that Falcon ride that's going to be at Galaxy's Edge in the not-too-distant future. We spoke a bit about our anticipation for Galaxy's Edge in last week's episode and what's coming in 2019 with Star Wars, but this is going to be our first real look, I think, at a ride that's going to be in that park. Oh, man. Again, going back to the Falcon, it's all about that ship, man. I'm like, this is crazy. I wonder how big it's going to be, the scale of the ship and the interior and everything, because Disney does such a great job of really making you feel like you're inside Yes. Of the content that you've seen, right? So I, I just can't imagine what this ride's going to be like, especially when it hops into hyperdrive. Like, oh, man. I mean, it has to do it. It has to do it. It's the Falcon ride. So oh, I'm excited, man. 2019 can't come soon enough for this one. Yeah, cannot wait. <laughs> so this overall, this looks like it's going to be quite a, a fun release. I'm really looking forward to revisiting this at home, dissecting it a little more, having kind of the ability to, to rewatch it a few times the same way I've done Infinity War over the last couple of weeks. Because realistically, this is kind of the last film I'm buying, at least Steelbook, until sometime next year when I'm buying up the Marvel stuff again. Yeah. So it's it's the last real home release I'm going to have here. 
for the rest of 2019 or 2018, I should say. And it might be the last solo steel book you buy this in a long true. time, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, because I guess I'm not getting any solo movies for quite some time. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. Take care of that one. <laughs> exactly. The Steelbook's beautiful, too. Can't wait till Sanjay oh, delivers those. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break and slide into Grabs' question for the week. And then we'll be picking up right after that and walking into some more news around the MCU prior to us jumping into our main topic, which is Avengers for Fan Theory. So, let's get into Grab's question for this week. It's another doozy, of course. It's titled, Where Do They Get Those Wonderful Toys? He writes, After listening to Tim talk about Mjolnir a couple episodes back, man, I butchered that, it led me on a search of superhero weapons and gadgets. From Captain America's shield to Wonder Woman's lasso, some weapons and gadgets are as famous as the heroes themselves. My questions for you this week are, what weapons are the most iconic and personify the character the best? Which story arcs feature the weapons or gadgets of a hero? Whose weapons or gadgets would be the most dangerous in the hands of a villain? And finally, which weapon or gadget would be the most comedic if wielded by another hero? Thanks in advance. Grabs. All right, Grabs. Sir Grabs. Man, you have just been putting us to the test, pushing our knowledge to the absolute limit, and I freaking love it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's break this one down. So we're talking about weapons and gadgets. Let's mm -hmm. do this first part of the question. What weapons are the most iconic and personify the character best? I think there's a whole bunch of them. Oh, man. And I'm going to take the lead on this one. Of course, you guys all know where I'm going with this. Of course, it's Cap Shield. <laughs> That's almost as iconic as the man himself. It's beautifully personified, the character. It's brought to life and its own life sometimes in the comic books and in film. But this, I, I have several versions, small versions of it. I, my wife made me a cake once. There was Captain America <laughs> Shield for a birthday not only a few years ago. <laughs> and yeah, I think to me... Even the posters that they've done for the films, you know, some of the most iconic comic book covers are of Captain America's shield. It's played a huge part at the end of Civil War, mm -hmm. the film. So, yeah, for me, it's it's definitely, definitely Captain America's shield. And it's had a renaissance, too, since the MCU. Because, yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, it's always been, you know, Cap shield. It's, it's, it's so cool. But now, man, like more than ever... That shield is everywhere. It's yeah. it's huge. It's yeah. huge. So, you, yeah, you can't go wrong with Cap's shield. Uh, quick side note, what's your favorite shield of Cap's? Because he's had tons. Oh, so he is, he's had so many. I, I'll tell you my least favorite. It was yeah. the uh, the digital one, whatever it was. Oh, um, really? I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of that one. When, when he was um, secretary? Yeah. And yeah. he had like the, it was, I don't know what it was. It was the one that projected. It projected. He had like the band and as a projection. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. They did yeah. that on uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes as well for a while, the they cartoon. Did. They did. Uh, wasn't yeah. a huge fan of that. I don't yeah. know. I I when the stealth shields came out for in Winter Soldier, I really yeah. liked that. But yeah. I'm gonna have to probably go with well, in film at least, I have to go see I like the like I'm I'm I love the round one, but I do love yeah. the throwback in the first Avenger to the oh, like the original yeah, the shield. Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and funny enough, in this Kevin Feige article, he's got that shield up. It's probably the actual prop in his office framed. That's cool. Um, and that's the one from the original comic book series. I don't know. That one holds a lot of 
a lot of weight for me. There's a lot of nostalgia there, but I'm going to yeah. probably have to go with like the classic kind of red, white, and blue with the star of the round. I, sure. it, it's iconic. Like that's the one you think of. And there's, yeah, there's varying versions of it where the white and the red alter and the, the star is yeah. a little different or even more recently you did have a triangle one that had the thing that popped. You know what I mean? So oh, the secret been, empire. Yeah. The secret empire version was yeah. a little different. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to go with the classic one. You? Yeah. Uh, I I go with the classic or I go with the uh, the hologram kind of thing. Ah, I don't know why. No. I know, right? I, I like that one. My least favorite was probably the Secret Empire because you could, the Secret Empire one was weird. Like you could make it into a weapon, like it yeah, could jab or something is it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, it had some function like that. What do you think of the gauntlets in uh, Infinity War? That I didn't I, I didn't like those actually. Yeah, I, me neither. Maybe if the color was different, I just didn't like it for Cap. Yeah, I I agree. I it was fitting for the story. Like I think it worked. Yeah. And that yeah. Black Panther gave them to him. But they're saving a lot. Like, they're saving him getting his shields back. They're oh, yeah. saving Avengers Assemble, which they've never said. <laughs> so there's a lot that it. needs to happen in Avengers 4. We're going to get to that very soon here. For sure. But what about you? What's yeah. the, what's one of the most iconic weapons that Persona Oh, I, I go web shooters. Yes, of, of course. <laughs> I, I go web shooters. I think it's so cool going back to when I was a kid. You flip the old school Marvel cards at the back and you see Spider-Man's web shooter and how it works and how he has to press it down on his palm. I I think it's brilliant. And then I liked what Sam Raimi did. Was it Sam Raimi when he – yeah, when he kind of explained how he like web-swinged, how he kept trying to figure out how to – even though it wasn't his web shooters, he's like yeah. organic at that point. But he was trying to like you know figure out how to use it. I think that's kind of cool. And the other aspect too is that if you don't have superhuman strength, you can't really web-swing because you'd rip out your arm joints. Yeah. Like it makes sense and they've explored that in the comics. So I, I love the web shooters, man. Yeah. So much you can do with them. Yeah. yeah. And you got to – just a few other shadows. You could go Mjolnir. With, with oh, of Thor. Course. Come on, Thor's of hammer. Course. Yeah, it, it's a huge one. We don't see him wielding it that much in the comics that that well that much lately. He's got a new one. Has it back? Oh yeah, because yeah, was, yeah, because Ben Foster, not Ben Foster, Jane Foster had it yeah. for so so long there. Yeah. yeah. What else is out there? I mean, I'm trying to think. Silver in, Surfer's board. Oh I mean, that was yeah. Really cool, especially in the 90s. So that was, cool. that was awesome. What about yeah. the what about Batarangs? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to reach into my limited DC knowledge. Yeah, Batarangs are cool. Oh yeah. Oh, especially in the Keaton days. Yeah. Especially the Keaton days. Because whenever we had, um, uh, well, even when you go to Christopher Nolan's, whenever we had the Harvey Dent holding the card, not the card, he had the, the elect card. Oh, yes. And the Joker had the card. And Batman had the um, yeah, Batarang. The like, yes. That's that's so cool. Green Lantern's ring, obviously, for DC. Yes. That's, yeah. that's mind-blowing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much there. Now, okay, <laughs> next part of this. What story arcs feature the weapons or gadgets? of a hero so focusing in on particularly the gadgets the weapons i'm gonna say you know a big one in the comic books over the last two years has been the focus around thor and his inability the unworthy thor the inability to lift the hammer because that hammer in itself is really the character almost right right and it really personifies thor himself and him being unable to wield that had a huge implication for that character for probably the last it's got to be two years since um original sin right yeah 2015 yeah pretty much right jeez that that was a long time that he was the unworthy thor now i didn't love the arcs either with him like there's some really good ones what was the one that jason aaron did oh the Um, five-part miniseries unworthy thor yeah unworthy thor was good god of thunder was actually quite good yeah Um, oh yeah they did some really, actually, I say that, but they've done some really good stuff um, in the absence of the hammer. So really that have. I think that's been a, a real 
kind of focus of Thor, the unworthy arcs over the mm-hmm. last three years. So it's not so much about an arc that features a particular gadget or weapon, but it features heavily on the inability to use that. Right. Yeah. So that's really well done in the comics recently. Definitely. Uh, for me, I couldn't really, I, there's tons out there, but um, I actually read this pretty late. <laughs> Sorry, grabs. So I had to go with something more recent and it's not a hero. It's a villain. And I go with Charles soul, Charles souls run on, on Vader getting the lightsaber. Oh, now I'm yeah. not, you know what I mean? I'm not necessarily satisfied with the actual hilt, how he mm-hmm. got it, but the actual blade, the crystal. Yes. And that's a story. It's it's so cool. But he takes down uh who is it, Master Carrick? Yeah. Carrick? I uh, think some Jedi master who's uh, kind of like exiled himself in some sort of manner, and he feels the time is ready for him to take down, you know, Vader. And I, I it just goes to show how the Jedi's are so overconfident in themselves and so out of touch with things. And Vader, man, the panels between him and Vader going at it, it's Vader at his best, you know, ah, just go. I don't want to spoil it too much because it's so recent to the story. Yes. Well, so, no, it's a huge, that's a huge part of that story, right? Is him getting the Kyber, him yes. making, and yeah, maybe it fell a bit flat, him actually making the hilt and all that. The hilt, right. But there was a, keen focus on that portion of the character and getting that lightsaber, getting that weapon oh, in that art, in that Charles soul arc. It's, it's again, if you ain't reading Vader, just go do it. Like go get whatever <laughs> it is. I can't, we're up to issue 20, get them all. Yeah. Don't start yeah, at issue get 20, the get them all. Don't skip out, get them yeah. all. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. All right. Now, which weapon or gadget would be most dangerous in a villain's hand? Uh, I, I think almighty wise, it'd have to go to either obviously the infinity gauntlet, oh, but yeah. take it, you know, like we see what that does in bad guy's hands, but, um, I would have to go with the green lantern's ring. That's, yeah. that's, that's scary too. I, I can't remember the whole story too, even with green lantern, but when Hal Jordan becomes like parallax and whatnot and just goes crazy, I believe he's still welding the, the green lantern ring at that time too, or he changes there's a lot that goes on with Hal Jordan when he goes bad with the Green Lantern ring, but it's it's not a good look. So I, I think that's pretty dangerous in most hands. Yeah. Yeah. I like um so in the comics, Taskmaster, he uh he has the ability to mimic heroes, right? And he does carry around kind of a, a Captain America shield at times. So he's able to fight the same way that Captain America does with that shield. So I think Taskmaster is probably one of the most dangerous villains in the sense that he can wield any weapon or gadget the same as his opponent. He's able to kind of mimic all that. So it's actually pretty cool. He's a character that's not heavily focused in on, but in recent memory, he's had a few decent issues. He was actually one of the main villains in a an Ant-Man run from not too long ago. And they're actually calling out that he's a bigger supervillain than just fighting Ant-Man. So it's really cool. But I like when they they use Taskmaster because he does have that ability to kind of go hand-to-hand with the heroes, even using their weapons. Yeah, he's dope. He's in similar ways, kind of like a Deathstroke in some ways. How threatening he can be. I think he's very underrated, actually, by most. But he is he's pretty lethal. He is because he's a bit of a goofball sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, but his exactly. his actual power set is fairly capable, and you know, if written and used in the right way, I think he could be pretty formidable, formidable uh, as a villain. No, definitely, that's a good callback. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, Thanks. lastly, here, which weapon or gadget would be the most comedic if wielded by another hero? 
Hmm. I'm trying to think if like someone doing web slinging, like if Thor is, is trying to, you know, or someone like that's heavily uncoordinated or sticking like Captain America in the Iron Man suit or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an interesting one. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know for like a goofy weapon, I, I've always thought Gambit's cards are just kind of ridiculous. So I think yeah. anybody throwing cards around is kind of funny, even Gambit himself. <laughs> but um, that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to think of like the most outrageous people holding on to some of these big weapons. Like I liked when they did the, the call to in, in Age of Ultron when Vision picked up the hammer and handed it over, right? right. So he wasn't really wielding it, but it was quite a comedic moment that him actually using that. And it was kind of like, whoa, this is uh, pretty surreal. He just picked up Mjolnir. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that quite good. good. And yeah. um, now how about, uh, I'm just trying to think someone running. It's the web shooters that keep coming to my mind. I keep trying to think, yeah. you know, I'm thinking of random people trying to use these web shooters and just failing miserably. Kind of going back to some of the original runs on Spider-Man, even in the films, when they're right. he's trying to learn how to use them and he's kind of flying all over the place, hitting the ground. Right. Tom Holland did it really well. Yeah. No, that that is good. Especially where it's like, when it's organic. It's like, where's this stuff coming from? Yeah. You know? <laughs> good question. Yeah, definitely. Really yeah, good question. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up this week for Grab's question. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that That's one. That's good, man. Grab's keep it coming, man. You're always putting in that work on these questions. Love yeah, it. you are, man. You just, ah, I feel like, ah. I, I guys, sometimes I've thought I'm going to contribute to another pod. I can't think of anything really relevant to us. And this guy comes up with something each and every week. Right. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, Love man. it. All right, we're going to jump back into the news section. For the back half of this episode, it's going to be primarily focused on the MCU. Given the current state of the nerd world, the lack of information we're getting from really any source, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, or DC. But over the last couple days, the MCU has started to light up a little bit. We spoke at the top of the episode a little bit about Captain Marvel, but... The next big film to come out, realistically, after Avengers 4, really kicking off Phase 4, is Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, we're seeing set photos of some interesting characters. I'm going to put a spoiler tag here because these are, are characters that may or may not have had issues in Avengers Infinity War. So I'm just going to put that out there. So spoilers. So... You've had your moment. <laughs> We're going to talk <laughs> about them lives. now. Yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home. Spoiler alert here. Yeah. All right, so on set, we've seen Samuel L. Jackson and Colby Smulders reprising the roles as Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Now, we all know their fate post-credit scene from Infinity War that Maria Hill and Nick Fury both faded after the snap. Now, seeing them on set for a Spider-Man film has got me intrigued. My first thought was they're doing pickup scenes for Captain Marvel or for Avengers 4. But it looks like we've got an older version of Samuel L. Jackson here. He's got the eye patch, and we've got Maria Hill looking like Maria Hill. So it looks like they're at least present day or post-Avengers 4, I'm guessing. So what are your thoughts about having Maria Hill and Samuel L. Jackson in a Spider-Man film? Oh, I love it. Yeah. This is this is great. This is this is the MCU DNA all over it because we've been saying for the longest time it's it's very reminiscent of the Ultimate Universe. And when I think of Nick Fury, to be honest, especially Samuel Jackson's, I think of the Spider-Man Ultimate Universe, where it's like Nick Fury and Spider-Man uh, meet up quite a bit. And I won't be surprised in this film. I mean, this is a lot of speculating, but it, obviously Peter's going to be separated 
from New York. He's going to be distant from New York. So if he's maybe out of Shield's reach and Shield needs to find him or these guys are trying to track him down for whatever has gone on with Shield since it's been taken down in Winter Soldier, who knows? But I feel like we're going to get like some of that flavor from the Ultimate Universe or the Ultimate Spider-Man, at least. Yeah, I'm not, on here. It, it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. These are two characters that I would not have expected to show up in a Spider-Man film. So it kind of got me scratching my head a little bit. I'm thinking, like, are they trying to, you know, reform some sort of Avengers, post-Avengers 4, with the, the potential death of some of our big characters? You right. know, why are Maria Hill and Nick Fury and in London? You know, right. why are they in this film? Why are they even having that interaction? Because to my knowledge, they have never met Peter Parker or Spider-Man. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how whatever happens in Avengers 4 leads directly into this. You know, whether that's a Captain Marvel kind of crossover of some sort, or right. if we see the reestablishment of S.H.I.E.L.D., or if the timeline skewed so much that S.H.I.E.L.D. never goes away. That would be interesting. So, yeah, there's a lot of potential there for these two characters. And to me, it's it's less expected. You know, you're pulling in from the comic books, which is actually mm -hmm. some great insight. But, like, I, are, they the, are they the new Phil Coulson? Like, are they, well, are they providing that continuity now for Phase 4 with these characters? Well, I, I like it, too. Well, they, they could be so that. But I also like it because, you know, a lot of people kind of – kind of uh, nailed Spidey Homecoming with the fact that it had Iron Man in there. And Iron yeah. Man's obviously, you know, um, A-class. But when you have um, Nick Fury in here, it's not too bad. It, it's 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 not as bad. Not like it's bad at all. But, you know, it's not like he's an A-list. It's not like it's Thor showing up. It's not like it's... like it's... an overshadow. Like the, exactly. The, the far from on the Spider-Man story. Exactly. Exactly. So I think this is kind of more suitable for uh, for that movie, especially for the follow-up, because you want to establish more so Spider-Man on his own more than anything, as opposed to having like an A-lister in there. So I think this really works for me, actually. Yeah, and especially having a title like Far From Home. Like, exactly. It implies that, you know, basically he's on his own. Right, yeah. right. So I really like yeah. this. Actually, there's a another set photo that showed, I think, John Favreau on set doing Happy Hogan. So cool. we're going to have that continuity there. So it seems like they're they're sinking their their claws heavily into Spider-Man and keeping him firmly in place within yeah. the continuity of the MCU. Definitely. Yeah. And away from Venom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really liking that. Now, we spoke at the top of the episode here about Captain Marvel. Now, we kind of gave it all away there. We read through the tweet. But I'm excited for this EW spread because we're going to get our first look at Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, get some insight into the film, maybe even see what a young Samuel L. Jackson is going to look like in that film, a young Phil Coulson. But the thing that's got me even more excited is if you look at the normal progression of any Marvel or Star Wars film, we get the EW spread, we get a poster, we get a teaser trailer. I am super pumped about this. This film comes out March 8th, so we're tracking about right for our first teaser trailer. You know, we're living in a bit of a void right now. You know, the last couple weeks has been pretty slow. If they want all the focus on this character now is the time to drop a trailer there's nothing big coming out in the next couple of weeks you know our big comic book films aren't resurfacing until later on in the year this is a great time to start talking about captain marvel as we built to her film and her eventual inclusion in avenger 4 yeah man oh 
that's going to be good, man. A teaser trailer. I think you nailed it, man. I think that's exactly what's going to probably play out. Yeah. I think that works. Oh, man. We're getting a trailer for Captain Marvel is going to be something else. Especially when you know when we go back to, yeah, San Diego Comic-Con 2017 when we got the, the footage of what she's going to look like and the yeah. scrolls and all that kind of stuff. Oh, man. I can't wait. I, um, is, is Yondu going to be in this too, in this film? Are we going to see a young Yondu? I don't know. Uh, really we could, like realistically, it's it's all open. It um, is, yeah. Like, from the cosmic end of things, this could be a really cool way to tie in an older Guardians type yeah, universe. Sure. Uh, as you're doing the cosmic stuff with the Kree and you know Ronan coming back, and nope. of course the Skrulls. Come on, yeah, unbelievable. Oh, this is this could be big. Like we could be talking realistically next week about a Captain Marvel trailer. Now we're definitely gonna be talking about the ZW spread. But it's on the horizon, man. It's not in. It's not too far away by the normal gauge of you know Star Wars and Marvel films and the relationship with EW. Mm-hmm. Now, exciting, man. Oh yeah, it's it's super exciting. <laughs> now, looking at uh, one other film in the MCU, you know we've we know what's coming here right after Avengers Four. We're gonna have our three films of 2019. Then we Captain Marvel, Avengers Four, and Spider Man Far From Home. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three was intended to be that next big film kicking off the 2020, I believe, or it might have been. It's somewhere in there. It's supposed to be the big tentpole for 2020 in the MCU. Now, with all the controversies surrounding that with James Gunn, you know, Dave Batiste has been very vocal about his release. Now, we haven't really touched on any of that, and we're not going to. We're not going to dive into any of this, other than the fact that, you know, whatever was said was said. It's out there. You know, people can have their opinions on it. We're just going to leave it at that on the podcast. But the big thing and one of the big influences on this film is with the absence and the departure of James Gunn, some of the cast have put their hands in the air and said, I don't know what I want to do anymore. Dave Bautista in particular said he has no interest in working for Disney. He's happy to be written out in Avengers 4. He's happy to be written out of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 unless James Gunn is the one directing it. Now, everyone is entitled to their opinion. We saw what the cast did. They put out their support for James Gunn. Now, what I want from this conversation with you and I is given all this controversy and given the indefinite hold on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, it seems that's going to be pushed out to probably 2022 or something like that, you know, with the potential of someone like Taika Waititi coming on board to direct that. But do you think this could change the Guardians in Avengers 4, being that we're going into potential reshoots? Could they be thinking about maybe pushing back the Guardians from their resurrection or any arcs they're willing to kind of let go or start maybe in Avengers 4 to lead into that film? Do you think that's going to change now or they it's just too late and they're just going to leave it, pick it up a couple years later? I, I think two things. I think it's too late for them to go back and change it that drastically. And and three, no matter whether it's two characters or one character or a director, at the end of the day, like the story's bigger than yeah. everything. And we've seen with Red Skull, we've seen with um not Eric Bana, but uh Edward Norton. They they can be recast. Yeah. Right. I, I I love Batista obviously as as Drax is my favorite guardian when it comes to the films, but if they have to find somebody else, they they'll they'll do it. There's plenty of actors in Hollywood they can find. So um it's unfortunate. Who knows what's going to happen, though? It's it's really crazy to see. But Guardians will obviously be pushed back. I think they already announced that. But I don't think um, Avengers 4, we, 
have to worry too much about about that because it's all depends right of how they're bringing back these characters if you're to tell me drax was killed at the beginning of the film much like um uh heimdall those kind of guys and and loki then that's a different story you could easily just keep them dead but it seems like obviously everybody that was dusted or snapped is all coming back in the same sort of manner yeah you know i agree i I don't think it's going to change anything for avengers Mm -hmm. 4 the trajectory right. of these characters is was always going a certain direction, yep. you know, and I think there's a lot of maybe in the background kind of negotiating with the different directors about how they want those characters to come out of the film eventually. Right. So I think they're going to maintain that. I think that they've put this movie on hold because, you know, it's a big temple for them. They want to do justice to the characters to some degree. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is at this point, but I hope that, Whoever stewards this this film franchise puts the same time and effort that James Gunn did at the end right. of the day. Because I, I love these characters. They were great in Infinity War, the crossovers. Mm-hmm. I want more of that. I want that development of the cosmic universe that Feige and James Gunn were helming. Now, that's clearly going to change. Yeah. But I still want them to have a keen focus on the cosmic, what we're going to see in Captain Marvel. I want that to matter for a future Guardians film, for a future cosmic film of maybe Silver Surfer or something like that, right? So right. there's a lot of potential in the characters they're getting back from Fox eventually. So yep. blowing up that cosmic universe is something I really want to see. So yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is, I guess. And I think, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense what they're going to do anyways. might be perfect timing because you're you're the biggest Guardians of the Galaxy guy I know. And uh, the team can might be due for an update anyways. I mean, you can course correct obviously after Avengers 4. Once you have Guardians 3, that's when you can really, you know, exit certain characters and bring in the new characters. Or yeah. even throw in new characters but, you know, reverting back to the original Guardians that you know with like Yondu and, and Stressor Sloan's character and whatnot, right? You can really expand it. You could... I don't know, throw Silver Surfer in there. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But there's a lot you could do with a cosmic uh, Nova even as well, right? There's yeah. so much you could do. So really, I don't think there's too much to be worried about. No, and like and like the Avengers, realistically, yeah. that, that team is constantly changing. You know, you do have your mainstays, but sometimes it's okay to not have one of those characters. Yeah, it's, it's realistically, like Drax is a relatively, in the history of the Guardians in the comics, is a relatively new addition to the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, yeah, they can kind of switch this up, try something a little different, but we'll just see how this all kind of folds out here in the next, I guess, couple years. But more importantly, we've got to focus our attention here on Avengers for you. So we've got Captain Marvel breathing down our necks. But we're here this week to discuss a bit of the Avengers 4 fan theories, given, like I said at the top, that Roosters are going in to start some reshoots, you know, potentially including a bit more Wakanda or a bit more of this character, kind of touching up some of the scenes that they are missing. They are aiming to have this film done by March. And just a reminder, the Avengers Infinity War, the first teaser trailer dropped on November 29th, 2017. So we're not too far away from an Avengers 4, either title reveal or trailer. So we're a couple months out still, but at the same time, once Captain Marvel has had her time to shine, it's we're going to see Avengers 4 come stomping in not too far after that. Oh, can't wait, man. Bring yeah. it on. So we thought this week that given the fact that, yes, the MCU is starting to ramp up towards the end of this big Infinity arc, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the fan theories that have been tossed out there for Avengers 4 and just kind of throw them around a little bit. We're going to start from the small end, some of the, you know, maybe not 
so realistic some of the more outlandish ones and move into some of the bigger ones and yes some of these we've covered in a little detail in the past but there seems to be quite a few out there and it's not until we see this film that we're actually going to confirm or deny any of these but it's going to be a kind of fun just to kind of walk through some of them so if there's any ones out there that you guys would like to discuss in a bit more detail or if we miss anything please let us know. Just email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. And again, like I said at the top, none of these theories are particularly ours. You know, we may take some of these and skew them to our own liking, but they are other people's theories. They're, I'm going to call them the internet theories. You know, there's a couple here that I've got the credits for, but some of them are just ideas that have been chucked out on Twitter or what have you. And we're just going to take them and kind of roll with them and just see where we sit on some of these. Cool. Can't wait, man. All right, so the first one we're going to do here. Um, this is an interesting one I've heard numerous times. So given the snap, and we see a lot of our main characters disintegrate into dust here. So one of the theories out there is that they are not dead. They're, in fact, trapped in the soul stone. So no one dies. Everyone is just trapped on another plane of existence, the, the soul world, if you will. What do you think of that one? I think it's very possible. I, I'm not really in favor for it. But I, I, I could see them pulling something that, you know, nobody really did die yeah. if they want to dance around that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, not bad. Not not terrible. Yeah, I, you just, know, just I'm, a, I'm a fan of Gamora being stuck in the soul, soul Stone. That yeah. essentially that she had to trade or Thanos had to trade her life for the Soul Stone. And she became trapped in that. That's an arc that's been explored even in the comic books in the past. Mm-hmm. So that I could see happening. But the rest of them, you know, given that, you know, it wasn't just our heroes that disappeared. It was half the population of the universe. Mm -hmm. I'd hazard a guess that everyone's dead. You know, they're pulling from the source material there, which is Jim Starling's Infinity Gauntlet. So I would have to say, yes, everyone that disappeared is in fact dead. But the one standing that could be trapped in the Soul Stone, and I really thought this was going to be one of the focuses of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, that she wasn't actually going to come back. She was going to be trapped there, and they're going to go have to find Adam Warlock to help get her out. Yeah, so the film would, cool. was going to be about finding Gamora more than anything. And right. that she wasn't going to come back. Because I think they're going to do that. There's going to be few that don't come back that are going to lead into their franchises and try to figure out that story. Totally makes sense to me. Yeah. All right, next one here. Ultron will return in Avengers 4, and he will return by corrupting the Mind Stone and getting the gauntlet for himself. No, please. <laughs> no, no. Don't, I don't want that at all. I, I, you know, I wasn't a fan at all of, of Ultron. I like Ultron in the comics. I didn't like what they did with him in, uh, in Age of Ultron. And it just, I don't know, I think it'd be kind of weird. I would be more in favor of Red Skull doing that than yeah. I would for Ultron doing that. And something just about that figure with the gauntlet just doesn't look right <laughs> to no. me. But yeah, yeah. so yeah. we have to sell that one. Yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> not completely unprecedented that Ultron shows up in a cosmic story. Mm-hmm. Now, Annihilation Conquest, which comes after Annihilation, which are two of my favorite, most most favorite cosmic arcs, he ends up being one of the main villains in there. So, yeah, I'm going to say no on this one as well. Yeah. Um, but his presence in, in the cosmic realm is uh, is not something that they've shied away from in the past in the comic books. Right. But, yeah, I think it'd just be too much. It'd be this weird convoluted story. That it, and some of it is just because Ultron's been left on somewhat of a question mark. 
Like, did yeah. he die? Is he there? Is he not? Like, well, what's the yeah. deal? You know, the thing with Ultron is that he's always evolving and he's never actually dead. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they will revisit the character. Probably not. And definitely not in Avengers 4. Yeah, I think for the cinematic wise, you, you keep Ultron away from cosmic. Yeah. And you keep a more technically advanced than cosmic stuff. Yeah. Just at least on the films, I, I, I would think. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Next one here. Shuri recreates Vision. What do you think of that one? I like that one. I think I think that's kind of cool. She tinkers with the vision, and then we get like the cool '90s, late '80s, like white vision yes. when he's just like ghosted out. That would be kind of cool. I, I I like that one. Yeah, yeah, so, I like that one a lot actually. And this is something that I'm not going to take credit for, but it's something that crossed my mind. I don't even know if I mentioned it in our review, but I don't I think know if you might have actually. I don't know if it's in Black Panther or if it's in Avengers: Infinity War. At some point, she makes a reference to this really cool AI she's been working on. And it's, it was this weird drop line when she's talking to T'Challa at some point. And I felt like, okay, that seemed really out of place. Like, why would she just say that? Because I guess maybe the leap I made in the film was that she was going to put something in him and yank the stone out of his head. Right. Um, so it makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, Vision's technically dead. He's in Wakanda. His body's still there. You know, being that he's a synthetic, you know, it was all the organic beings that were disintegrated. So his body's there. So I have a feeling that... At some point, she's going to jam this AI into into Vision, and he's going to come back refreshed, renewed, maybe with a different personality, maybe with different memories. Right. But they went a long way in Infinity War to say, no, the best parts of Vision are in there. You know, his memories, right. Tony, this, that. So they did a lot of work towards a Vision resurrection outside of the coming back from the snap, right? Yeah. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. You know, having like a rebooted vision yeah. with a memory loss and like struggling of where he fits in this world. Yeah. I, yeah. I could see that totally. I like that. Yeah. That'd be definitely. Cool. All no. right. This this one here is is one of uh, one of my favorites because it, it goes into a storyline that I've been banging on about happening yep. in the MCU for quite some time. Now it's the scrolls. Mm-hmm. Now, I think most of us are at least under some understanding that or want or maybe belief is the best word that the scrolls are going to make their presence felt in a much larger arc throughout phase four five and six they're going to be the thanos or the infinity arc if you will now with their introduction in captain marvel a lot of us have been theorizing that they're going to make their presence felt in some form in avengers for as we kind of put this infinity arc to a close we're going to open another massive arc and the scrolls seem like an easy thing to do not as far as execution but a generic tease now one of the theories that have been thrown out there is that some of the heroes actually won't return but their bodies will return with scrolls in their place so they're going to use this opportunity to start their secret invasion by say coming back as scarlet witch but Scarlet Witch actually doesn't really come back. She is dead, but they've used this opportunity to fill in that void as a uh, a body snatcher or something like that. You know, the ability to shapeshift. So what do you think about them planting the seeds for the Skrulls in that fashion in Avengers 4? I'm a huge fan of the Skrulls coming back. I, I think 
there's no way we only see the scrolls once in um captain marvel if that'd be the biggest waste of all time yeah. we're definitely going to see the scrolls throughout and uh you and i've been going on and on about it, you know just seeing like who is a scroll is it hawkeye is it maria hill is yes. it uh scarlet witch right i think there's so much you could do and i think one of the coolest marketings back in the comics when the secret invasion came out is when they used to market it like this person's a scroll like who's a scroll yeah. you didn't who know do you you trust? Just, who did you trust and you just see the bottom of their chin and it's yeah. like has like that thanos curl like, like a scroll could you imagine seeing that right now like on like cinematic wise with these actors and casting and scrolls man it is huge yeah so much they can do and kevin feige behind it so anyways answer this um yeah i'm totally a fan of this theory i don't know necessarily if it's gonna work if they're gonna you know come back and take the bodies of the people that have disappeared like i don't know how they're gonna necessarily yeah. do it that's confusing you know? but that's confusing it was really cool how they did it in your show uh um, heroes. heroes with cap that yeah. was crazy like oh man that's all they so need good. imagine that i know we've said this so many times <laughs> right but just a turn to the light and you see the chin or the yeah. other way that they could do it is whomever survives you know dr strange tony stark whomever is standing over a body that yes. was disintegrated killed or whatever has come back is dead and because they revert back to the scroll form like they did with electra yeah, you and, have that panel like they did with Electra. Yeah, they're standing yeah. over like, what just happened? Yes. And that's the start of it. That's that's your tease. That's the end of it all oh, for man. the Infinity Arc. And then, boom, here you go with the scroll arc. Like, it'd be oh, unbelievable. Man. It'd be, and then you have Captain Marvel flying down and being like, what? Because she'd yeah. be the only person that's familiar with the scrolls. Like, yeah. ah, crazy. So good. Crazy. <laughs> now, this one here, it's uh, it's an interesting one. But uh, it's, it's a theory here that all the original Avengers will have to slash are going to die to bring the universe back to balance. So we're going to see Black Widow, Hawkeye, Thor, Hulk, Captain America, and Iron Man all die in Avengers 4. What do you think the likelihood of that happening is? I think it's push. I mean, it, it, it seems kind of cool. I know the actors all got tattoos together, like matching yeah. A's, I think. I think there's only one, maybe as Ruffalo, that didn't. Yeah. But um, if that means anything, I don't know, though. I think that's a, a huge push to push out all of them, especially, I mean, Thor is at a, his peak right now. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, like, I think he could possibly get for Thor. Uh, Black Widow, we know she's getting a movie. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know about that one. That's that's tough. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think if anyone dies of the core, it's gonna be Cap and Iron Man. Yeah, you you can't really kill Hulk. I just no. I don't think so. Especially he's obviously gonna make his Rocky moment and come back after he he's gonna make a huge comeback in in Avengers Four. You know, after being kind of a coward there in Infinity War, I I don't see maybe Hawkeye. Sure, we've been saying every movie yeah. he, could, he, he could die, but I don't see Thor and Black Widow and Hulk dying. I just don't. No, I agree with you. I think, you know, and we've all been saying this now, I feel like for several films, that Cap's <laughs> going to die, Iron yeah. Man's going to die. I said that Cap was going to die in Civil War, and yeah. I said that he was going to die in Infinity War, and he survived both of those films. Yeah. So this one, again, I'm going to say, yeah, I agree that not all the Avengers are going to die, but Cap, especially Cap, and potentially mm -hmm. Iron Man. You know, Cap says too many times in Infinity War, we don't trade lies, we don't trade lies. Yeah. You know, there, there's an arc... And there's a theme in there of sacrifice or the, the lack of willingness to sacrifice. You know, it's from Thanos' angle, from the Avengers' angle. And 
how fitting is it that it would have to be Captain America that has to sacrifice his life yes. to rebalance the universe? To me, that makes the most sense for that character. As much as it's going to pain me to see him go, it's almost time to end his Like that's that's the way. You know, you look back to uh, the first Avenger the same yep. way, right? You're almost coming full circle there that he sacrificed himself to save millions of others. That was a drop line in Infinity War as well. And so to me, it feels like they're really building towards that. And one of the other theories that was thrown that kind of goes along with this is that Cap's going to die and there's going to be a, a scene where he reunites with Peggy Carter for that last dance. Ooh, that's that, cool. Like Man. I got goosebumps thinking about that. <laughs> that's that's some Titanic stuff right there. Yeah, that's, it is. Uh, oh, huge. That's, that, yeah, that, well, that sells me right yeah. there. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> That's All great. right. Some of the bigger ones that have been put out there is alternate dimensions and time travel. So these are, I think, some of the more widely accepted fan theories. Given some of the set photos we've seen, and including sets like the, the likes of the Battle of New York, the end of the original Avengers, you know, Ant-Man did a lot of work name dropping things like the quantum realm and, and time vortices and all that. Do you think this is going to be a time travel film at its core? I, I think we could see that. I think we could see the time travel, the dimensions. I think we could see some kind of time travel going on. I think if anybody could do it the best, it's, um, it's these guys. I think they could really pull it off and we haven't really had time travel in, in the MCU, and it would be a, a really interesting way to actually, you know, reintroduce us to other characters, you know, coming along, such as Fox characters. I'm not saying they're going to sprinkle Fox characters into this film, but it'd be like a stepping stone doing so going further down yeah. the universe. You know, a, a big thing in Infinity War is um, Doctor Strange when he sees all like the however million um, outcomes. Um, I mean, how cool would it be in this film if you could even see like a montage of the, the the Avengers failing over and over again, and we realize it's Doctor Strange seeing all these different outcomes, really nail in the head that we are going to get some time jumping going on in yeah. this film. So I think if anything, we'd see more maybe more time than dimensions. Like for instance, those set photos of Cap and yeah. whatnot, that could be a different timeline as opposed to a dimension if if that makes sense so yeah i could see something like that yeah you know the thing with time travel and yes we, we we've touched on this in the past but the thing that worries me about time travel is if they're not careful with it now if there's any yeah. studio or any group of people producers directors and all that they're going to be very careful with time travel it's these guys because yeah. they can't in their final film in this big arc they can't unravel everything that came before it no. I don't want phase four to be a skewed timeline a la Star Trek. Yeah. I don't want my investment in this universe, in the continuity of it, to be completely unraveled to fix a, a the universe, to fix right. or defeat Thanos. I want them to put a certain amount of care and consideration into time travel. Now, there's a great book by our great friend Matthew Keegan, Mark Godseff, and Paul Jones called Hindsight. You can get that on all of your Amazon accounts. Uh, go read that because the thing I like about that is they establish up front a very simple rule of time travel. Is that, And they do this in Star Wars as well. Is that everything that's happened has already happened and will always happen. So in a sense, if time travel occurs... It already has happened. Even if there's an influence in the past, even if they go back to change something, it's already been changed and we've already experienced that. 
So it's never changing. So what you've experienced in the past and what you experienced in the future has always been there, even if it's been tweaked by time travel. That was always part of the history. So anything that they do here, you know, whether it's a conscious effort by Tony Stark and Ant-Man to make sure that the events occur as is so as to not screw up the timeline, or they go in with a simple rule the same way that Star Wars handled it in Rebels is that, you know, they didn't go and kind of touch anything else. They just plucked Ahsoka out. You know, she was always yes. plucked out. She was never yes. part of a different or She had never died. She was always pulled out of that. We just didn't know that. So it's less about going back and skewing the timeline as much as it is going back and just doing the thing that you already did time traveling. It's kind of a weird way to explain it. Um, and it's much more clear in their book, but I think, making sure that they do not skew the timeline or mess around with it too much. I don't want them going in like saying, well, Avengers one never happened because now we have the test rack. We took off with it. Uh, you know, all this, you know, all this build up to something bigger unraveling. It would just be a bit of a nightmare for me. So I think they're going to do a bit of time travel, um, to some degree. No, there's another theory out there. It's more of a memory time travel where they use this thing from civil war, Tony Stark's like projection thing. And they oh, yeah. actually like dive into people's memories somehow. And I don't know. It seems a bit crazy, a bit convoluted, especially mm-hmm. for, you know, the, the last film. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to be straightforward. If they're going to do time travel, take, you know, care and consideration for what's come before and don't stomp all over it. Yeah, man. Kevin Feige, call Dave Filoni. Cause that, that, yeah. yeah. Call Dave Filoni and have him sort this timeline for you because he did it. He did it the best. It made so much sense right after that episode. I was like, it all makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. I think you're right. That's the best way to do it because you can't go change the universe and then it's all completely different going forward. It has to actually all make sense in the first yeah. place. Like going backward, going forward, it's all was meant to be the same in the yeah. first place. It's, that makes no matter sense. what you do in time traveling, you've yeah. already influenced it in the past. So exactly. like as we experience Avengers 1, if someone time traveled in there, we've already seen that that happen. That's already part of history. Yeah. History never changes. You know, it's just when you actually visualize or when you actually see it happening. Yeah. So yeah, go read that like, hindsight, go read their book. It's, it's, it's awesome. awesome. I'll link it. It's yeah. uh, there's some really, really mind warping things in there, but it cool. follows a very simple rule that makes time traveling just very elegant from my perspective. I'm a sucker for time travel. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. So the last one we're going to talk about here is something that I stumbled across not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, and this comes from a uh, a Reddit user called Whamsy the One and Only. Um, so this is a big one I'm giving credit to because this is a pretty wild theory, and it has to do with Doctor Strange really being the key to it all, and his links to Captain Marvel. Now the theory goes on to say that Doctor Strange, during his kind of big astro projection and all that, or the time thing that he's doing, the 14,605,000 different outcomes that he did see, that he set up the Avengers for the eventual defeat of Thanos, or at least putting them in a place or setting them on a course to get there. But one thing that this theory throws out there, and it helps to tie up a few other loose ends Um, that we've discussed even in the past. One being how Nick Fury knew or how S.H.I.E.L.D. knew about Dr. Stephen Strange prior to him actually becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, if you look just at the basic timeline. This also helps with 
what happened at the end of Avengers Infinity War and Nick Fury's reaction to Maria Hill disintegrating and why he had that beeper on him that seemed a bit convenient. You know, we've gone through several films, Ultron, Avengers. Why hasn't he called Captain Marvel? The theory goes on to explain all that and it leads us to a Doctor Strange appearance in Captain Marvel back Ooh. in the 90s that Doctor Strange saw the outcome, saw the need for Captain Marvel, and saw the need for Nick Fury to be the one that initiates that. So he went back in time and spoke to a young Nick Fury and said, at some point in time, you're going to see a bunch of people disintegrate. You need to get a hold of Captain Marvel at this point. So he's gone in the future, Doctor Strange. He's seen that Captain Marvel is one of the key figures that needs to be there to defeat Thanos. He's gone back in the past told this to Nick Fury. And then when this all happens in Avengers Infinity War, you see him run, get the beeper. He seems to have a light bulb, right? Yeah. Something goes off. He seems to know a bit more. Yeah. So this theory goes and connects up Nick Fury with Doctor Strange in the past and then the go forward into the future where we see him reacting the way he does and contacting Captain Marvel. Now, this isn't too far away from what Mark, Mark Godsiff, kind of proposed to us a few months back about them calling Captain Marvel in another timeline or another at another time, like maybe in the past. But I really like this one because it links up a lot. It makes a lot of sense, and it helps me with the Nick Fury scene in Infinity War. What do you think about this and how it ties everything together? I love this. Yeah. This, this is really, really cool. You know, leaving um, leaving Winter Soldier. Is it Winter Soldier when they yeah when they mentioned Doc Strange? Yeah. I was always like, what? Like yeah. what? They mentioned Doctor Strange, and like all oh, this now kind of makes sense. Like just hearing this theory, this is so cool. This is exactly what we were just talking about when it comes to like that time travel. Like this makes sense for me. Yeah. How that all loops together and. As you're going over that whole theory there, like the light bulb clicking in uh, Nick Fury and everything as he acted it out, I'm like, that makes sense. Like it seems like he's, he seems like he almost came across a point where you've had deja vu and you're trying to like call back to like I, I remember this. You yeah. know what I mean? And then he drops the mother, you know, and then um, yeah. hits the button. Classic uh, Samuel Jackson. I I love this theory a lot. I gotta say this is this is the top one for me of everything we've just mentioned. Yeah. I think that's really cool and, and it adds that much more importance to Captain Marvel. I think, which is which is great, and just to see, like, if we get to see some kind of cool scene like that of Doctor Strange going back and talking to a younger Captain Marvel, a younger Nick Fury, man, I'm all on board. Take my money. I love this. Yeah, I love this one a lot. And the thing that's so elegant about this is it then provides a reason why Fury has never brought Captain Marvel back into the fray right. in Ultron, in Infinity War. You know, everything that's going on. You're yeah. thinking to yourself, like, why hasn't he just called her? He's had this beeper forever. He yeah. hasn't called her because he was told a specific time when to call her. And it was during all this. And kind of the, the theory does kind of state why he says mother is because Doctor Strange did not tell him that he dies too. You know, he didn't oh, give he man, didn't give me. he didn't give him the out so that he, you know, would try to prevent something or change the timeline. So, you know, Doc Strange has gone back in the timeline to set this all up, but that has always happened. You know what I mean? So there's oh. a bit of time travel. There. This theory, Wemsy, the one and only from Reddit, like this is unbelievable. This ties up so much and leads us to a beautiful end credit scene or mid credit scene, or even in film scene with Fury and Dr. Strange. Like 
it's it only makes sense you know it's about getting the ball rolling captain marvel and getting her presence in the film you know saving tony stark there's a lot done so this really pivots doctor strange as the one avenger if i can call him that at this point that is the key to it all he's the one that saw it he's the one that's really you know got captain marvel to the fray and it got iron man saved him from thanos so oh, there's man. so much here and it ties up does really well tying up some of those loose ends this is what's what's the reddit user's name whamsy the one and only whamsy the, i gotta wear like a shirt of his or yeah. hers to avengers 4 yeah. just hoping this theory proves right i love this theory i'm so attached to this right now yeah I'm losing it's, my mind right now this is crazy it's my fa- it's my favorite yeah. avengers 4 theory out there and you know it the thing i like about it too is it's it's less about the film in itself and it's more about connecting up the remaining pieces so it's not about you know this is how thanos is going to lose this is how we're going to get everyone back you know a lot of that is trying to theorize how they're going to you know rectify what happened in infinity war who's going to die what's going to happen you know we're going to get another big cameo this is very simple but very very elegant yeah and i think out of all of these theories we discussed yeah to me this one has the most grounds for being at least a version of this being true. It's it's unbelievable. You know, it must be so hard to be a writer or the Russo brothers or any director. When you hear these theories, Ryan Johnson, whoever, when you hear these theories that are so good and you yeah. have to debunk it somehow, like how do you, how do you dance around this? It's, yes. ah, it's well, on the money, man. Yeah. And that's, that's a bit of the, the fear that we have as a fandom um, yeah. And a bit of detriment that we do to ourselves is that um, we have now these expectations, yes. these theories. You know, we saw this going to The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are maybe potentially going to see this going to Avengers 4. Expectations weren't, at least, we didn't have that much time to brew, to sit and stew and theorize about Infinity War the same way we're having for Avengers 4. So we're coming up with all these theories in our heads And maybe this is not the greatest thing because we're going to have this, you know, perceived idea of what we want to happen. And when it doesn't happen, are we going to be disappointed? So that's something that as a fandom, we just got to make sure that we kind of curtail that, put it aside, put it outside these fan theories and make sure we go enjoy the film for what it is. And it's a creation from the Russo brothers. And I have the utmost confidence, you know, even if this is not in there, that yeah, yeah. they're going to deliver big time. So I'm really looking forward to to seeing if some of these come to fruition, how close people got. And yeah, man, it's, it's going to be one hell of a year. And it looks like it's going to kick off in the next few weeks with Captain Marvel, you know, potentially a trailer at some point. But it, it's going to be a huge year. You know, we talked last year about how big of a year 2019 is going to be for Star Wars. It looks like the MCU and Marvel is going to have a very similar year in store for themselves as well. Oh, it's looking good. It's looking yeah. good, man. We got well, Avengers 4, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man Far From Home. This is this is exciting, guys. Yeah. I'm just losing it over here still. So, uh, yeah, this is good. Can't yeah. wait. This is going to be an absolute awesome year. <laughs> now, that about wraps it up for us here in the new room. Like we said, we're going to be back next week talking all things Captain Marvel. Hopefully there's a trailer But if not, we're going to be definitely talking about this EW spread. Sanjay will be back in the room, so we're excited for that. He's been absent for the better part of a month here, so he's going to have a lot to talk about. I know he was down doing some hunting down in Vegas and that, so hopefully he's got a few stories, and I'm sure, I'm sure he picked up some steelbooks while he was down there. 
And if you guys would like to be a part of this show, you can always email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook or YouTube, and you can always grab us on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. And my dude, until next week for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.